Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. family in the studio with us today is probably the most extraordinary 25 year old you'll ever meet most humble and self-giving person i know we were meant to interview him earlier this year but the stars would not align and as the universe would have it during the season known for family time gratitude and gifts the stars have aligned us with keoni Keone is a Los Angeles-born scientist and heinous photographer who simply attempts to navigate through life's unexpected twists and turns. Fearing stagnation, he dedicates his time aspiring towards a personal renaissance by volunteering, remaining physically active, and pursuing knowledge and skills in science, philosophy, politics, writing, cooking, music, and photography. Okay, now, for the bio that he would like for you guys to hear, <laughs> he says, not to be mistaken for a tall Asian woman, Keone is a Los Angeles-born scientist and photographer. He was born in Glendale Memorial Hospital, 20 inches, 7 pounds, despite the long face. He is a positive guy who can hold his breath for at least five seconds. He claims to be a slam dunk prodigy who is afraid to grace the basketball field because his b-ball skills might be too good. <laughs> if you ask him, he'll show you a personalized video from his hero, Conan O'Brien. Hi, Keone. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Man, how many takes was that? Man, almost like you didn't believe me, believe it the times. How many bios did you send me, though? That's true. I did send you multiple. Um, and we're still not happy. So tell us the bio you actually wanted people to hear. Yeah, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm such an interesting person. How could you possibly encapsulate in one? No. Um, <laughs> so I wrote one that's saying, uh, Kiyomi is a wonderful pet. He's incredibly devoted, loyal, loving, intelligent, and protective. He makes a wonderful addition to the family, and he can be playful when he wants to. His docile nature paired with that astounding intelligence makes him an easy dog breed to house train. <laughs> now, yeah, I'm sure you know, like, yeah, this is just the description I stole from uh, Rob Weiler Temperaments, but <laughs> I felt like, I don't know, I didn't know how to describe myself when he taught me that question. So you thought being a pet would be the best possible description bio? Something. I don't know. I, I, I The first one I felt was, you know, a, a pretty clear-cut picture of me, but... That's not genuine to my personality. I feel like I want to get loose with it, get have fun. You know, I don't take myself too seriously. Okay, so not taking yourself too seriously. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Oh man, if I had a superpower, I'd probably. Um, dude, dang, um, this is hard. Because <laughs> like, there's always those good answers where you could do something like meaningful and impactful. Oh. I, I, I could say 
it sounds like silly and dumb, or I can like go into like an actual superpower, <laughs> but it'd be super boring and nerdy of me. Oh man. Do you want to know what mine would be? Yeah, hit me with it. I would freeze time, go into the bank, rob them of all their money, and then unfreeze time. That's super nice of you. That's really good. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do with the money. I'd probably like help HIV and AIDS programs and like save some for like selfish motivations. But you know, all you have to do is just drink uh, five five hour energies okay. at one time, and yeah. then so what's it? Five hours times five is twenty five hours of energy. So okay. What actually happens is time freezes, and you have one hour of free time. That's actually how that works. <laughs> you have to drink five of them at once. <laughs> What would your superpower be? Do you want to heal the world? Do you want to, I don't know, make everyone rich? Won't solve world problems. Money isn't the answer to everything, but what would you do? No, I think, like you said, I mean, like you said my hero, Conan O'Brien, if I could have that sort of wit that he yeah. has, I view it as his superpower. You know, super, yeah. you know, he's incredibly good at it. I don't think yeah. it would solve anything or do anything, but man, I... I think I'm funny, but I'm really not. Like, that guy is funny. <laughs> He's funny. Sure. I think you have a lot of funny. You're funnier than I am. I'm funny so. looking, but like, <laughs> it's a good thing this is a podcast. But this is video, man. It would not go over well. Oh, my goodness. Do you still believe in Santa Claus and Tooth Fairies? Um, only in leprechauns, but uh, no, I, I, I... Do I believe in Santa? No, I don't. Tooth fairies, I would hope there's nothing out there just stealing my teeth. That's horrific to think of. I mean, at least I'm being paid for them. I mean, no one else is going to pay me for my teeth, so. <laughs> okay, more to the, like, serious questions of getting to know a little bit about you. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have one younger sister. Mm -hmm. um, she's uh, two years younger. Her name's Kalei. She's, like, and everything, like, that I, like... Aspire. I admire her a lot. She's okay. incredibly intelligent. She's mm -hmm. um, incredibly hardworking and motivated. You know. Yeah. You know. Uh, definitely. I think I left when I was in the womb. I think I soaked up all the charisma, all the all the yeah. outgoing genes. But I left behind all the the good hardworking. I I can be lazy sometimes, but she. No. Yeah. No. She's she's incredibly hardworking, and no, she's she's very funny and charming. Um, yeah. No, I, she's, she's, she's going to law school now, actually. Okay. She's just starting out law school, and she, so she's got a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so what is your fondest childhood memory? Fondest childhood memory? Um, I think oftentimes uh, when I like to look back at um, time spent with my family, I wouldn't say fondest, but one, something that like just spur of the moment thinking of now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I liked driving together as a family that's mm. something that like I, I don't actually normally think about this often but yeah. in this second it's like that time when you know my dad and my mom are both in the front seat me mm -hmm. and my sister on the bench you know mm -hmm. in the back of the van it's just like a little it's a smaller space more intimate we're all in mm -hmm, one single location mm -hmm. we're, wherever we're headed you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah, just one single family unit moving, whether just to see family, maybe go to the movies, mm -hmm. even if it's just running errands, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's time we spent together. Yeah. I think. I think car time spent together always forces you to talk. You know, when you're home, you can be in your room, 
playing video games on the iPad or doing something. Probably not iPads we during do not that like time. That. No, yeah, we do not. <laughs> but. I think there's something about taking a road trip that forces you to connect with the people in the car and start mm. talking, you know, and, oh, how was your day? Oh, how's this going? What do you think about this? And interesting things you see while you're driving, too, that become part of, like, your fondest memories. Yeah, and even now, like, um, currently, you know, I like the time I spend in the car with my dad, you know, because I'm driving him, and it's, it's, Mm-hmm. it's good like it's even whether it's we just, we just sit in silence sometimes me and my mm. father we sit in silence but it's that silence that it's comfortable yeah exactly I don't, I'm not trying to itch for conversation mm. it's that us mm-hmm. just you know yeah we don't it. have a lot of that these days people feel the need to constantly conversate it's like okay it's quiet someone has to say something someone has to do something you know to keep the hype going but it's beautiful that you can still maintain spaces of like comfortable silence yeah and that's what we're going to do for the whole rest of this episode in silence <laughs> oh just, my you can hear us breathe and you can just slurp down my tea and it's <laughs> like good content right there. okay you grew up in hawaii went to kamehameha schools no i, I grew up in la okay grew up in la yeah and um, then you like landed here back again yeah, yeah. so uh, born and raised in east la okay and um up until, I think, uh, junior year was when I came down to Hawaii. It's where I graduated camp school. Um, that's where I met, uh, you know, some really, uh, a lot of interesting people. A whole different uh, tonal shift from growing up in L.A., you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in all-Hawaiian school. Or, okay. You know, before when I was, you know, living in L.A., I was the only Hawaiian kid, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now all of my peers are Hawaiian. It was yeah. something that was... You know, it wasn't really an interesting thing to, to begin with. But now yeah. it's, you know, something that we all share that bond over. But, uh, yeah, so I graduated high school here. I uh, went to college out in good old Iowa, you know, mm-hmm. the heartland and the Midwest. Um, that one, I worked in L.A. Uh, after graduating uh, for a year. And then there I am, back in Hawaii. <laughs> we love having you here. In your Instagram bio, you <laughs> refer to yourself as a mad food scientist. Mm-hmm. Assuming you're referring to the food and science industry qualification, is this your 9 to 5 hustle? Tell me more about it. What do you do? Yeah, so it, it definitely was. Uh, that was my focus in my major. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I studied food science in the industry, and I minored in, minored in food safety, which is very a lot of uh, microbiology. Like, okay. we, you know, in labs, we've grown salmonella. We, mm-hmm. We've had to deal with foodborne pathogens and illnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember in one of my, you know, food science kind of directed chemistry classes, we've created uh, banana scent. Okay. You know, like something like, so like not such, not just all the artificial stuff, but it's, it's that sort of um, level of science that's sort of dictated to food. So okay. after graduating, I, you know, I was a food scientist. I worked in a, in a, in a food lab out in LA, uh, ADM. Okay. It's a global ingredient company. Okay, and sounds I, familiar. Uh, yeah, I did, and I ran a lot of uh, mostly quality assurance tests there, but, you know, I was, uh, helped run that place for a bit, trained a lot of the uh, uh, current lab techs and those there still. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, and it's something I, I do enjoy. I wish it was my current hustle or some form of science. That's really my, my passion there. Because, um, you know, I, it's, to some people it's kind of boring and tedious, but... <laughs> me it was it's something that i i can geek out nerd out nerd out about i science has been in part of me for so long um i still have 
uh, a kindergarten like notebook okay. where they had us, you know, what do you want to be when you get older? Okay. I wrote down scientists and I drew a picture of me in a lab coat with, oh you know, goodness. a microscope and, and test tubes and here I am. I did the dang thing and I, I couldn't be happier, you know. It's something that I've loved science. I've participated in science fairs all throughout school. Um, something I always like kind of half brag about, you know, back then, you know. I was in a, a third place Los Angeles County Science yeah, yeah. Fair and then fourth place state uh, California State Science Fair huh. uh, for uh, engineering back then. So, you know, I've always been a complete nerd, totally just geeking out. That's something that's never jumped out at me. You know, I look at like your love for dirty converse. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I try very hard to be quote unquote cool, whatever the hip kids are doing. Are you, but you do that so well that it wouldn't cross my mind that you'd always be like at the science fair or wanting to be a scientist, you oh, know? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, I love, I love that work. I love the idea mm-hmm. of just facts and logic and mm-hmm. pursuit of knowledge. That's honestly like what drives me is, you know, staying level-headed, not always getting emotional. That's something I've had to work on Okay. Okay. a lot, but you know. It's really good. So would you say that you're more science-oriented than you are emotion and, like, physiological motivated? It's about finding a balance, for okay. sure. That's kind of what brought me into photography, which okay. I know something I want to touch on later. But um, it's that needing, you know, because I, I, I can't just be in a sterile lab. I can't just follow, you know, and when you're working in a lab, it's very much SOPs. You have to follow your standard operating procedures. Okay. There's no deviation from your task. And like, okay. there's no room for personal expression. You mm-hmm. know, what you're trying mm-hmm. to do is this very thought out mathematical planned, you know. So yeah, yeah. doing that regularly and, you know, we're working 12 hour shifts, yeah. six days a week sometimes. Oof. And it's just like, I needed an outlet because I... I think I am an, a creative person to an extent. You know, I love to... I, I can't just sit by and... Wait, wait, wait. You think you're a creative person? I think Out of sometimes. all of the phenomenal <laughs> art that you produce, you think you're a creative person? Oh, man. No, you're, you're too nice. <laughs> um, honestly, it, it's like I said, it's, it's you guys. It's what I'm, what I'm hoping to capture. But, you know, I, I try to create because what is living and also you know aside from the pursuit of knowledge i think it's also the creation of a a personal expression of some sort you know okay so speaking about photography let's talk about how the camera fell into your very talented hands photography how did that passion come about um i think it was like i said i was working long shifts long hours and Mm -hmm. i I wanted an outlet you know Mm -hmm. living in LA, California, there's so much to see, so much to do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but I wanted to create art. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. And part of it to me was also the realization I wanted, I wanted to be like a living time capsule, let's say. Like I wanted to okay. create, to capture images and you know that warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you look at old photographs or pictures of your, mm-hmm. of your, of your parents or your mm-hmm. grandparents, you know, that nostalgic like wow that was what was mm-hmm. like living then mm-hmm. and you know i all a camera is is just something that you know captures light so all yeah. i'm doing is i'm i want to navigate through the world around me and just mm-hmm. capture images and and things that are existing now because that's one thing why i got into it i was afraid of 
what my life was becoming almost. Because mm-hmm. I know you can relate too with that job. You know, yeah, granted, yeah. I love working in the lab. I love science. Nothing more than that. Yeah. But I feel like I spent so much time in the lab. I was missing out on the time outside of the lab, mm. and I wanted to capture life. You know, this is I'm, I'm living in LA. Mm-hmm. I live in Hollywood. I'm, I'm less in you know Beverly Hills. We drive to Malibu to go surf, and like I want to capture stills and images and mm-hmm. of things that I can look back on that I can show my kids, show yeah. other people. Not I don't want to like show it off on social media. It's pre- mine's pretty. I don't update it often. But okay. I just, I just want it something that I can you know, live in the moment because sometimes it can get caught up otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're, you get into photography, mm-hmm. right? What interests you most, landscape or portrait? Oh, portrait, for sure. I okay. think, yeah. Photography's got to tell a story. And I want, like, everyone, like, for portraits, if, you know, people are my subject, people everyone's got a life story how how even how they what clothes they put on that day there's a level of personal expression in that yeah don't get me wrong especially living in hawaii landscape photography it can be gorgeous and beautiful <laughs> but like i want to capture a little bit more of what is the human experience mm. you know what is the, what makes people who they are and the expressions on their face you know which is kind of how i you know yeah. got into meeting you is photographing yeah. you and your poetry yeah you're one of the most expressive people <laughs> I've ever photographed and that always drew me into like you know like you and these people you know yeah. it, it's it's the emotion that they're sharing and the, yeah. the images are just a reflection of that yeah. all I am is just capturing you and who you are and that yeah. is what the story is yeah and what I like mostly when looking at your work is that I can see that you're telling a story you know, I look at all of the pictures and I'm like, okay, there is a story to be told here. Because you can take random candid photos of people, mm-hmm. but you're capturing very specific moments mm-hmm. that make me wonder, huh, what was going on there? I didn't even remember. Like you had the one picture where I think I was hugging Liam and it's on the Journey with Mpo, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, podcast page. And I thought, wow, I had no idea at that moment mm-hmm. that there was a camera capturing that. Yeah, no, I, and absolutely, like, I th- like, you know, seconds are fleeting, you know, yeah. er- every day, you know, mm-hmm. we miss out on microseconds of emotions and, and like, you know, just things that happen, and it's important to live in the moment, but sometimes those little fractions yeah. of a second make a difference of just, like, you know, there's so much that goes through, you yeah. know. Yeah, and you bring all of that to life. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, who knows, we'll see. <laughs> Okay, so your photography has been published in the New York Times. You, you. Firstly, what an accomplishment. Congratulations. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. No, I know. It's not. You know. No, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Share the details. Like, how do we get a copy? How did oh, that no. happen? What was the journey behind that? Like, I want to know everything. This No, this kind of ties into, like, you know, why I photographed to begin with. I want, okay. I, I told my mother, you know, even before, you know, when I got my camera, I was like, I want, to, I want it to be published in, like, a newspaper somewhere. Okay. Granted, this was in the New York Times, but it was an online thing. So, okay. I'm, trust me, then I'm not going to make the paper, you know, it was just a nobody. Okay. Um, but, no, it, I wanted something, reason why I got it, because, like I said, I want to tell a story. I want to tell... Yeah tell these 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 emotions that mm-hmm. the emotions and like really tie into what I want to uh, do so when I got my camera I told this was going to happen um I wanted to find uh like protests or okay 
Um, sorry. You're fine. <laughs> I wanted to find. Uh, sorry. I wanted to find protests and any sorts of like acts of like rebellion, mm. like because that kind of I feel like that's what poetry is also. Take a flight to South Africa. Oh You've man. got all that heat. That's what I like. In the middle of it. Let me swim in it. I want to bathe. I want to marinate in that heat. Let's go. I'm ready. Like, Are you no. sure you're not from like World War II? Oh, man. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm ready to. That, it's that raw emotion that I want to mm. capture. It's that, it's that fight or flight. Like That's why mm-hmm. I think even taking pictures of the poetry events. Okay. It's like um, it's a, a, a personal protest. It's a personal rebellion. Okay, okay, yeah. And um, so being in this closed area, you have these poets, these poets yeah. expressing these, these feelings of either anger sometimes or even just like just raw passion. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of why I'm drawn to that. But yeah. how I got into the New York Times, circling back, yeah. um, it was at the youth climate strike, um, mm-hmm. uh, like last year's one. And they it was a youth climate strike so they were striking for you know climate change and more you know action which is something i'm very passionate about in the okay. environment um and i wanted to capture that because not only is this something that i back and i believe in mm-hmm. um i wanted something to show for it like i want mm. i want to see the emotion of these people these i want i want the the anger i want the yeah. the 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 fear whatever it is mm-hmm. that pro you know that makes riot photography and you know yeah. granted this is a much smaller scale so that's a lot more yeah enclosed yeah. um you know environment and, and so it was just something i've just snapped some shots there mm-hmm. handed them out to some people got some emails while i was there and uh one of the um uh organizers was actually being mm-hmm. featured in the new york times mm-hmm. and used some of my photography um he told me like oh so guess what it was in the new york times i'm like no way and you know, sure enough, my name was on the bottom of the picture, and I'm like, okay, this feels real. This feels like, <laughs> honestly, so it'll, it'll, honestly, I would love to do a lot more, but, you know, it was really cool to see that come in, and then, they, you know, they sent me a check for it, and it felt like, this is wow. real. This is, you know, a hobby, but, like, yeah. I can, I want to capture images that can maybe, you know, are momentous but granted yeah. this was something small low key but maybe one day who knows yeah there'd be more of that definitely a stepping stone i would say mm-hmm. so for the past year or so you have intentionally been practicing mi- mindfulness and selflessness as a distant observer of your character i couldn't begin to imagine how you have been opposite in character what inspired your decision to, you know, focus more into mindfulness and selflessness? Uh, well, uh, my character uh, is is always <laughs> in flux. Um, okay. You know, I, I I do my best to improve every day. I've made mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes. You know, I you know I'm in I'm every guy. I mean, you know, I've been that guy. You know, and as far yeah. as finding my own way to mature mature yeah and that and we'll drink my tea with my pinky up <laughs> um no yeah it's just it's always been been a a fight i think and mm-hmm. it, it'll always be a constant fight to improve um mm-hmm. but as far as practicing mindfulness um yeah i guess i was very you know i'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it you know I've, I've been in therapy before that was mm-hmm. something that was taught you know i would i get caught up in my emotions i've always mm-hmm. been a very emotional person okay 
and this is where like you know I've you know gone I've been studying meditation a lot of, yeah. you know f- frequently and recently yeah. and that's one thing that when it clicked was that I am my own person I'm my mm-hmm. own being yeah. I am a person with emotions I don't have to be an emotional person okay and it was that sort of divide that separation yeah yeah really just kicked everything into gear for me like okay I, I'm a lot more thoughtful a lot more understanding to people I don't yeah. I'm not hot-headed anymore yeah. that was I, I was a huge hothead in high school yeah. and some of early college I was very self-centered almost you know in, in a lot okay. of my actions and, and how okay. I felt and everything was to get an emotion out of people and you okay. know because I was an emotional person that's how I thought I had to exist okay okay um but through practicing mindfulness and yeah. like meditation for example it was key key absolutely in mm-hmm. being someone who can be better I, yeah. I was afraid of being stuck I, is this who I am am I for like is this just how I have to exist in this world mm-hmm. I couldn't if I had to but mm-hmm. now I'm slowly learning to accept myself love myself be this person that I've wanted to be for so long yeah. you know and get comfortable in that I think it's constant evaluating and reevaluating. You know, I look at who I was when I was 19, who mm-hmm. I was when I was 21 and who yeah. I am now at 25, and I feel that like that person's always changing, but I'm always finding room for improvement. I'm like this is how I can do better. I'm both I always say to my mom, you know, when I'm telling her a story, I'm like I'm both the wrongdoer, the victim and the wrongdoer in this story, you know. Mm-hmm. I am the abuser and the abused. And when you can see both sides yeah. of that, how you see, you know, you start accepting the toxicness that you bring to certain situations oh my goodness, so toxic. and reevaluating that and stepping back and saying, okay, this cannot be the only way to exist. Yeah. That, that breaks something in you. You're like, okay, we're good. It's time for a change. And how do I affect that change? Some days are going to be really, really, really good. And some days are going to be really like, how did I get back to one? Oh, you're so right. No, about <laughs> like being like the toxic is, it, it's crazy. So yeah, um, I was in denial about, you know, my own sort of toxic traits and, mm. and, and things that I would, would, would be doing and feeling and mm. there, there is gotta be a better way to exist. This is why I kept yeah. asking, you know, myself, like begging myself yeah. to do something about it, try something. And there was a lot of fear in that, you know, yeah. the unknown. What can I do? This is all I've ever known. But, mm-hmm. you know, it takes, it takes enough falling down before you kind of realize like, all right, I got to, I got to tie my shoes or something like, you know, I, I, I can't keep tripping over myself like this. Yeah. Having done all of that evaluation, do you think that we're innately toxic or do you think that we just learn certain behaviors that make us toxic along the way? Oh man. I honestly, I am, this is a kind of unpopular opinion. I think mm-hmm. not really unpopular. I, it's just an opinion of mine. I think just like people are kind of an inherently yeah, I don't say toxic, but there, mm-hmm. there, there's an inherent uh, level of like um, greed to all of us. You know, okay. humans are very, I think, uh, self, self, uh, uh, serving. Like you mm-hmm. know, we, we, we have all of our needs and all of our wants, Eagle. and exactly, and and we, you know, say it was food. You know, however many years ago, you know, we're all trying to keep ourselves alive, and yeah. you know, we're very defensive at times. And yeah. I think it takes 
long looks in the mirror to actually mm. really it's something that you have to nurture and cultivate I, I i wish we weren't all toxic but it's a lot easier to be toxic than it is to be you know mature and grow there up there we go <laughs> that's good okay so taking the phenomenal quality of selflessness a step further earlier this year you learned that your father has kidney failure so you uproot your life in LA and move back to Hawaii to be his caretaker. In the initial stages of this decision, what was going through your mind? Oh man, and still sometimes is just how tough it is. It's tough. It's the hardest thing is to see someone you grew up with who is so strong and so you know. We used to always joke as kids. I'm like, our dad would never get sick. Yeah. He would get sick maybe once a year. And it would, it, would, it would kick his butt, but that was the one time he would get sick. Yeah. Not like, you know, us, where we'd get sick, like, you know, kids every couple months. Yeah. Um, but no, he was, he was someone who was so strong and mm-hmm. so, you know, like, sure of, of himself and his actions. Mm-hmm. Like, to see him and, and his form of, like, weakness like this. Not to say this is a weakness, but this is, like, uh, a confrontation of the unknown, mm-hmm. I guess, is really... It's tough. It's heartbreaking sometimes, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, kind of the mindset that I've had then was just, like, keep your head down, work through it, just grind through, do everything you have to do, especially yeah. something, like, that is, you know, medical or innately science. Like, you yeah. just have to follow the steps. Do what you yeah. need to do. Get the help you need. Like, I'm here to help you through this. There is no ifs and buts. We're going to completely change your diet if we have to. We're going to... Okay. First thing I did when I flew here, clean out his fridge, okay. get like all the junk stuff out of there. Get <laughs> no bacon. Oh. He ate too much sodium, man. Oh yeah, because you know having kidney failure is is, is tough. Mm. But and you know there's no complaining for me because literally okay. I could be in his position. There's always you know something worse. So it's just take what I have. Take yeah. this is a responsibility that I, I want. I would love to have this responsibility because yeah. you know he's done so much for me. Yeah, that maturity though at twenty five, where did it come from? Like, I don't know. what are you talking about? <laughs> I am sometimes the most immature person I know. I, I am just a clown ah. boy sometimes. <laughs> I oh man. Do you have funny voices that you make? Oh yeah. Oh man. Like I'm always like, what's the deal with airplane food? I don't know. That's just a go to for Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know. Like, like scoop. Oh, Scooby Doo! I don't know. I'm always. I don't. I can't take myself seriously. I can't. I refuse to. Uh, to always choke around with something like I, yeah. I, I. If I take myself too seriously or anything else in this world too seriously, then you know what is the point of all, all of it? Like yeah. I can't. It weighs heavily on you. No, you exactly. know, life almost feels impossible. You have to lighten the load because yeah. it's already he- heavy as it is. Mm-hmm. So if you play around and you take it easy, mm-hmm. you know, you can take it home. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things to do when like meeting somebody new is like already just like off the bat start riffing and like making jokes and yeah. if they don't take it well then it's like or not take it well but yeah. sometimes you know the right kind of people you kind of really you know uh, mesh well with yeah and other people are like yeah you're too crazy you're not normal. and that's that's all cool man that's cool no we all exist <laughs> i'm like hey you're right if i am i am okay so you come back to hawaii with the intention of taking care of your father at what point do you decide, okay, I'm going to be his living donor? 
Oh, that was like day one. I was living in LA and we first, you know, knew about it. Mm-hmm. And um, the moment I knew he needed one, it was just, what can I do? When can I do it? Sign me up. Like he's done so much for me throughout my life. What's the what? What am, what am I to do? I can't just sit around here with two kidneys while he's got zero. Like okay. this is my father. Yeah. You know, I I am half of what he is genetically. Like let's let's do this. This is half yeah. your kidney already. Just take it. Um, oh. Like I don't know. This this is this is my father. This is someone who was always there for us. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, emotionally, immensely, like physically. You know, he's mm-hmm. someone who has been there essential part of my life and why would I want to cut his life short if I if that was you know I'm going to do what I can as soon as I can you know because you know it's it was my, my sister even brought it up too she was saying you know I was looking to it I could give him my kidney I'm like stop right there okay you know absolutely not first off I'm way taller than you way bigger than you my kidney is just <laughs> just so much bigger so much better like come on like you're not no this your not kidney is not worthy for this exactly, procedure man this, I got these tough kidneys I've been I've been working them out all all, all, all all my life I'm ready put me in coach and how did the discussion with your father go about was it just okay we're doing this and he immediately accepted or did he initially have reservations and go oh no I cannot expect that of you he has been, you know, you know, for sure, you know, he feels like he doesn't want to take it, you know, as, as anyone yeah. would. But, like, I think he understands the situation enough where it's like, if this can happen, mm-hmm. and he knows I have my own caveats where it's like, make sure he's, if, if I don't see that he can take care of my kidney, then he knows that, like, I will, we will figure something else. Like, we will, like, you're on the list or learn the good habits and like we'll do it because he knows that we're not going to be put in a situation where he's going to take my kidney and then he's going to blow three and I only got one. Like he knows that that's yeah. a very realistic, you know, I'm not, yeah. you know, realistic expectation. Um, but no, he, he knows that, you know, he needs to make sure that he's responsible for it. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, learning habits, learning things himself and he's, he's, he's he knows that I want to give it to him and he's, he will accept it when I when if, when and if I can Okay. So it, it, it's all a matter of just, let's get tested. And we'll uh, see. We'll see where we go from there. And I feel like it's been a long procedure, right? You've been here for about, what, a year? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of testing involved. It's a very okay. strenuous process. You know, you're, you're, you're being poked and prodded, blood tests, you know, yeah. chest, ex- x-rays, everything. It's, it's a full, full thing. Yeah. And you haven't gotten to the point where they can definitely confirm whether you're able to do it or not. So tomorrow, uh, we actually f- fly out him and I to Portland for his to that. That's the facility where they will. Uh, he will undergo the procedure. They will do the transplant. Um, so us going there, they're gonna give him an orientation. Okay. Kind of tough. This is what it's like to be on the kidney donor transplant list. Okay. Um, once we get back, it'll kind of solidify that he's on the list okay once he completes that then i can get tested because i was you know until he's on the list then i can then i can get tested so flight back we'll see okay i see oh my goodness send keone good energy guys please do or kidneys if you got them i'm just kidding (laughs) don't send him for kidneys that'd be awful that's Horrible. I would think I have stalkers if I opened my door and there was like a box of kidneys. Oh, man. But I'd call you immediately and be like, what do I need to do? Do I refrigerate this? Because you're the scientist, right? So we'd want to preserve them properly. Oh, absolutely. You know. (laughs) Okay. So um, how are you feeling? Like, how are you feeling? 
well to those listening. Um, Mpo is an amazing and talented <laughs> oh, lady. No. We, we just um, we did a little a meditation session, you know, something I asked her to because I know she's the goddess of that. And no, she's, she's, she's someone who's well-versed in, you know, her energy and others. And I knew I wanted to meditate with her here. You know, it was a wonderful experience. She's got incense bowls and <laughs> the whole nine yards and oils and crystals. Like, you don't come think on, I'm a on. crazy gypsy, oh. <laughs> like witchcraft Voodoo. Next question? No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, no, I, I, no. It was, it was honestly like I asked for. It. I wanted to experience that, and so I feel good. I feel calm and I relax. And hey, yeah. Michael, you know, wonderful husband, made a delicious meal. I can't, yeah. can't complain, man. Did you say one of my husband? One of them. There's, there's, there's a number. There's a number. You're funny, guy. I'm afraid of which one we're gonna listen to this and ratted you I'm out. I'm a polygamist. Is that what they call women who marry multiple husbands? Is that the same? Because that's what it is for males. I'm a polygamist. Polygamous, polygamy. Yeah, no, yeah, polygon. It's, <laughs> no, yeah, that's it. You got it. <laughs> okay, so earlier this year, you channeled your artistry into poetry. Ooh-hoo. The poetic letter you wrote to your dad, what was the creative process behind it? Were you just like, okay, I need to blow up some steam and write something? Or was it like, I am going to write a poem? I have been just my emotions had been percolating for a while concerning mm-hmm. my father. Um, this was back when, you know, I was still wheeling him around in a wheelchair pretty much mm-hmm. always. And we were at the hospital. He had a mini procedure to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dropped him off for surgery, you know, went through all the process. And once they took him into that back room, I just kind of stood there by mm-hmm. myself in this hallway. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, oh, now it's just a waiting game. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to sit in the waiting room. I couldn't do it. I went back down to the car and I just opened the windows and I just sat outside waiting for his surgery to be done and all that. And I just wrote the whole thing in one go right there. It was just all the emotion of just all of our struggles together, just us trying to find a way to coexist with this kidney failure, you know, Mm. now that it's in our lives, like, I, you know, it's just a, it's just a built up. It was all in yeah. one go. It's so it's by no means perfect. I would love to shop at some point, but yeah. at the, at its raw state, you know, I will always kind of appreciate appreciate it. that. It's not it's not a a pretty poem by any means, but it's like one that was true to that that feeling, that emotion, and that that second at that moment. Yeah, it's an honest poem. Yeah, and I, sometimes poems don't have to be pretty. Like I don't think I write pretty poems. I think I write honest poems. Well, they're honestly pretty, so <laughs> not to worry about that. Oh my goodness. Okay, so are we ready to share your poetic letter? Oh man, I'll read something. You guys can turn it off and not listen to it. It's all up to you guys. <laughs> we Skip love. ahead for a little bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this poem is more of an open letter. Um, it's to my father. It's closed at the moment, something I don't, you know, would not ready to share. But when the time comes, I'm ready, would love for him to hear it. It's called Just a Kid. Man, wake your ass up. I might have made you take me to school every morning as a kid, but now, Dad, you got me waking up at like 5 a.m. every other day just to take you to your appointments. And I'm not complaining, but man, these tables have churned. I ain't just your kid anymore. I'm helping you pick out your clothes in the morning. I ain't just a kid anymore because now I'm grocery shopping. I'm cooking you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I ain't just your kid. 
I'm driving you around, I'm running errands, and you've taken care of me for so long, it's my turn to repay the favor because I love you. Now, I help you stand up and walk like you did for me. And I, I turn off your light for you and wish you good night and tell you I love you like you did for me. I learned all these things from you because you taught me what it means to be a man who takes care of his family and the ones he loves. But I remember when I first knew the time would come for me to find my place and be my own man. I was just your kid trying to reach something high in the garage and without thinking I called, Daddy, can you help me reach up there? And you walked up to me, looked me up and down and you told me that I was taller than you. What? No, because dads are tall, dads are strong, dads can do anything and I'm just a kid. You know what, I may have kept growing, but I will always be in your shadow. Even though now I'm wheeling you in and out through hospitals, I'm transporting a king. And you may think you're a fraction of who you once were, but let me tell you, I can only dream to be the man you are now. And I know you're hurting. Although I clean the discharge from your wounds every day, that's only the wounds on the surface. I am watching you struggle, and I've seen you sit and stare at yourself in silent disgust, unable to recognize your own body and I couldn't possibly know how much you hurt inside. But I catch glimpses in your eyes, and I can hear your voice shake when we sit in a third doctor's office of that day. And I see you suffer every day. I don't need you to see me suffer. So now it's my turn to be strong, because I'm not just a kid anymore. I'm like Gorilla Glue. I'm doing everything I gotta do, Dad, to keep this together. And I'll be your life raft. Life raft because in these choppy waters, I'm trying to keep us afloat. And as the storm, wreaks havoc on your body, we are watching in real time as pieces of you crumble like the coast and the mountains we grew up on. I'm writing this only because I'm scared. You look at me and it's all fine it seems, but when I'm with you, my mind and my heart are bursting at their seams. The other day from another room, you said you heard some crying, and I said I didn't know what you're talking about, but I think we both know that. It's not the only time I've lied to you. Some nights I don't sleep, and I know you tell me and I know I tell you I ate my share of dinner in the kitchen, but most meals I cook for us, I don't eat because I know you need the calories because the doctor said you're losing too much weight and I don't want you to eat my portion. So I stand in the kitchen with an empty bowl watching you eat in the living room. These are things I cannot tell you. I'm sorry right now. And maybe I'll tell strangers who don't know you, who don't know me, just a black void that I can let out these fears, frustrations, fears, anxiety, fears, and sadness. And did I mention my fear? So we both know that if I never quit my lab job in LA and moved back to Hawaii, my homecoming flight would have been for the worst reason. So much rests in my hands and on my shoulders to take care of you, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid of failure, because we both know what failure means. Only 150 days ago, I bought a one-way ticket and put my life on hold so you can hold on to your life. You helped give me life, and now I'm trying to give you a chance at life. It's been like four months, but it feels like four years. You got out of surgery on that gurney today, and I told you, get up, score up, punk, I'm ready to fight you. And I see you smile because you know I'm coping. But let me just say you didn't have to assure the doctors and the nurses you can still kick my ass. We all know you probably can, but it's just uncalled for, and frankly, that's just bullying. You'll never give this testament to my fear. You know enough, and you have enough going on. We've laughed and we cried, and in a short time I've been back, we've sat alone and cried together more times than we'd probably ever admit. And my mother, who's assured me you don't ever cry, she's only ever seen you cry twice, when Grandma passed and when I was born. You know what? Maybe I am just your kid. So I read you this closed, open letter, and maybe one day you'll hear it. 
Until then, I'll take it to the mailbox outside of the poetry bodega and wait for the mailman. But before I put a stamp on this letter, let's sit together, you and I. Watch the Dodgers and shit talk the Giants because I love you and I want us to pretend things are normal again. And things will be normal again. That's why I want to give you any one of my kidneys. Because what your kid needs is you. I did move, I did mess up one there, so I kind of feel free to scroll through and find it, I'm sorry. So sweet. Yeah. Thank you for giving me a space to share that. The courage. No. It's admirable. Like, I, when preparing for the show, I had to sit back and go, my mom has two kids too. And I had to go, if my mom needed a kidney, would I be the sibling that does that for her? Yeah. And I'd probably be. It, it takes a lot, I mean, mentally, in a space where it's just, you know, but it, it's, it's okay, you know? Yeah. You can live with just one kidney. In my head, it's just, it's fine. Yeah. You can live with one kidney, but you can't live with zero. And he's got zero. Someone who I love so much, yeah. you know, it's uh, a hero, someone who I, I idol, someone who has always been there for me. Mm. You know, um, growing up, I, I had this thought recently, and like a couple of days ago, I, I went up to him and I told him just thank you, yeah. thank you, because you know, him and I, one thing we share that we love sports, you know. And I participated in sports. Yeah. I was never good at sports, but we did sports, and you know, <laughs> you know. He'd win, get the brownie no, points, no, and no. he'd lose. No, it was like we used to. Uh, we used to like I used to play a lot of YMCA sports. Okay. And I was uh, I we did YMCA basketball. It, out of in two seasons, I only made one point. And that's like one free throw. What's one point? You know, knowing when you shoot the baskets, two points. I made one point through two seasons. Okay. It was the very last game. I was so bad at sports. <laughs> I shot at my own basket in one game. That was awful. In football, I, I, well, I could have had what was a touchdown, but I chipped over my own feet. And, you know, uh, in baseball, I refused to swing the bat because I knew I was going to miss. And, like, I was, you know, I... But he was there at every practice, at every game, and he showed up and he showed support. And I never felt bad for being bad at sports. Like I, I, it was something that like, I don't know. I, I looking back, I could have felt awful about how I was compared yeah. to my peers, but I yeah. never felt bad. Yeah. He was always encouraging. He showed up to every game and every practice, yeah. and he was there for me. You know, yeah. even though I was not good. Now I did do good in science fairs and I did do well in speech and debate. Like he was and there for those. Oh no. As a kid, no, I was no, he was always there for me. And you know, even when it comes to science fairs and science projects, like he'd be there helping post my, you know, my results and findings onto my big old cardboard like board and he was always there driving me to different science fairs and he was he was just always there. Like, you know, so he's always and so I just, you know, I had a couple days ago just had to thank him for that, you know. And so what I see and hear in your story is that the fortunate part is not an illness that brings you guys together, but it is an illness that allows you guys to share an even more beautiful relationship from what you had anyway in the beginning. Yeah, I think we it's, 
there's an appreciation to his life, my life, not taking things for granted. Well, that's part of the reason why I've been so adamant about this photography and videography. I want to, granted this is not the healthiest he's been, this is not the best, you know, he's ever looked, yeah. but it's 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 something that I want to remember for. Like, it's it's yeah. a, good or bad, it's a time in our life, and I, any sort of documentation, you know, living, like it's a living time capsule of what it was like, you know, this is the, the era is going on within our lives, so. Yeah, the present moment journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, into the great unknown. Yeah, that's it. Which hopefully turns out into a beautiful unknown. You know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Toes crossed. I'm gonna learn how to cross my toes for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You didn't hit that. You didn't hit that level Reiki yet. How to how to cross your toes? Mm, no. I think yeah, I have master. to exit my body for that. Oh, don't <laughs> Scary parts. Do you know how to come back if you exit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, so you had aspirations to start your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So you're doing the groundwork. Literally, you've started a solo weekly roadside cleaning in the North Shore. Mm-hmm. Is this some of what your nonprofit would focus on? No, uh, a lot of it is mostly has to do with the Pueblo, which okay. is, um, you know, Native Hawaiians. Families have Amokua, which are like your, um, like, like a guardian. Okay. In a sense. It, it's usually nature uh, derived and ours being the Pueblo, which is like the Hawaiian, the, like the Hawaiian owl. Okay. So they are endangered on Oahu. Okay. Other islands have them, but on Oahu particularly, they're in danger. They're experiencing like just illnesses that there is no, not enough study done okay. on. They're experiencing, you know, like getting hit by cars and okay, a lot of that, and that's kind of ties into what I would be focusing on, like at least what what I have been focusing on is, okay. um, you know, because they hunt a lot on the sides of the road because that's where okay. all this trash is and that's where the rodents are. They're yeah. they're like you know the, the, their prey yeah. will eat all on the sides of the road so when they hunt there yeah. they become just a target for cars and they, it's you know it's it's unfortunate mm-hmm. so you know there's not much I can do myself but like I know just last year there was something that got found that just started okay like I don't know how is it how is it 2019 with like mm-hmm. you know coming into 2020 okay and there's nothing there's not enough research done they don't know how many there are okay okay and it's like they don't know exactly where the owls are how many of them there are and this is you know this um syndrome that's plaguing them there's like not enough research so really what can one guy do um i'm just going to clean the sides of the road and get get rid of you know the trash that you know these these, that they prey on because this is my family yeah. This is, you know, my omakua. They are my guardians for me. How, why would I not want to help them? Yeah. Of what I'm doing for my father, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's someone who's watched over me, and I'm just going to, I'm just trying to pay the favor, to yeah. pay the debt. Are you advertising for any help? Can I come clean up with you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And bring your mic. You can hear all the, all the cars <laughs> fly by, and, you know, I've had some people, like, honk and, like, you know, give me, you know, a shock or a slow down, and couple one lady was like recording me she's like thank you and i'm like yeah come help me next time no like yeah <laughs> like, don't, don't worry about it pull out your phone and take a picture yeah, come on come on help me let, let, let's do this together no i honestly I, I don't it's also been very kind of like doing it alone is fine it's very meditative it's like 
I feel like I'm just, I, I, I am not my biggest worry. Okay. And that's been a lot of this experience in Hawaii is I'm not my biggest worry. I'm not my own priority. Mm. So anytime where I'm out there taking care of my father, that's less of my mind working and attacking my own self. Like, you know, mm. I, I am using this time to just really just exist as someone who can usher in like a better well-being for others. And mm. like for me to be it my father, be it cleaning the sides of this road, like there's mm. so much going out there and on why why can't I you know uh, mm-hmm. do what I can I feel like that's the spirit of Hawaii like I'm starting to call it de-selfing like getting rid of the ego and focusing more on what it is that you can offer and do for other people instead of what you can benefit no, I'm getting a lot of that vibration from this island like all of a sudden I found myself at a clean the street cleaning the street and picking up trash for like four hours and I felt the most happiest I had ever felt yeah. in months. And I was like, it what is going on? Why does this feel good? Like, it I'm sweating, yeah. and I'm pricking up needles on the side of the road, <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy? Yeah, Why am I happy? Started, no, but honestly, but then there's the other side of it, too. How did mm. this trash get there? Sometimes mm. it's a, a pure accident, but, like, there are, I would say, the ego of Hawaii, though. I mean, there, there is, it, it is a... There is the opposite side of it. Like, mm-hmm. growing up, you know, like not growing up, but, you know, um, being a youth in an all-guys dorm, in an all-Hawaiian school, there is a level of the local Hawaii that's kind of, you know... Yeah. That it's still learning. Something that I've kind of referred it to, um, like, having gone to college in the Midwest, I think yeah. Hawaii is... It's like a small town that was given a city, I feel like. Mm. And, and sometimes... I feel there's, like there's that a, when I'm working at some of my jobs, yeah. Yeah, there's like a... There is a level of close-mindedness that exists sometimes in Hawaii and like they just needed more exposure because they live on an island you know mm-hmm. the more exposure to what some people you know they live here grow up here all they need to be happy is just go to the beach and just you know they, don't, they don't need like but to be able to experience and see other point of views and see other kind of like I think what you experience and what you see is mm-hmm. directly correlated to what you exude out into the universe. Like, what, 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 so what would you what you get from Hawaii? I feel like you seeing it as a mm. as a place for you know de you know um, de selfing de selfing. I think that's a lot of you. You. See I don't think that, that's a word. I just made that up. I by like the way. that word. You know, <laughs> it's better than uh, YOLO being in the dictionary or yeet. Nice. Go ahead. Okay, so we're about to close, but I I couldn't leave this out, okay? okay. Are you ready? Lay it on me. You have a drop-dead, gorgeous, educated, oh. and supportive girlfriend. Oh. oh, my goodness. Lynn, love you. Oh, my... I do. So I do. here's the point that I'm getting to, though. Okay. I don't often do this. Yeah. But would you like to give a podcast shout out to her? Oh my goodness, yes! Like <laughs> I actually, I mentioned to her how I wanted to somehow sneak her in here, like like oh my girlfriend, like no, she is phenomenal. She has been mm. like a big part in my sanity, you know, because she's yeah. someone who, so, Lynn's Lindsay, uh, you know, she's currently in Tampa, Florida, so we're we're away. Um, we're doing long distance, but this has been the easiest long distance I've ever like I've ever had to do. I've ever I never felt a more stronger connection to another human being, and like just she is so selfless. Like she is so 
because right now she works uh, as an oncology nurse, or she okay. did, you know, right now she's a flow nurse, but yeah, she worked on oncology, she worked a lot of end of life, like mm -hmm. a lot of cancer patients, and okay. she's someone who knows how to be there, she's someone okay. who who feels for what I have to go through, and, she, mm -hmm. and when it comes to the medical things, she can offer advice, and she can offer, mm -hmm. like, she's just there for me, you know, mm -hmm. and she's getting her doctors right now, so she's in Tampa, mm -hmm. um, you go girl, uh, you <laughs> study hard, I know you do, always. Um, no, and, and, and she's, there was a time last week where my dad had, was back in the hospital with sepsis with like a blood infection and okay. you know, that can be a serious thing and I was very stressed out and she called, or she'd send me a text, she called me after staying up all night with me, mm -hmm. you know, working, just talking with me. Mm -hmm. She literally just like, hey, I'll be there, I'll be there, my flight leaves in a couple hours. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I bought a ticket, I'll yeah. be there in Hawaii. I'm like, are you kidding me? You have clinicals, you have work, you have, you know, you, yeah. work, you have yeah. all these yeah. things. She just, and it costs so much to fly from Tampa last minute. She just, yeah. nothing, doesn't care. She's <laughs> like, I am there for you. Like, I am here for you. And I'm like, you, you absolute gorgeous being. Like, you don't <laughs> have to do that. Like, you are just phenomenal in every, like, she's just a great, yeah. she's so I've great. heard so many good things about her from you oh, that I have not personally met her and in, or interacted with her, oh. but I'm like, I, I love her. I already love her. Oh, me too. Hey, <laughs> we can share that in common. Because we share nothing in common, but we both love them. You know, no, she's, she's absolutely, you know, been, been uh, a, a shining light for me and through mm -hmm. my own personal dark mm -hmm. times, but, you know, she's, you know, we, we, oh, crazy story how we met, you know, like, yeah. like, she was on vacation in Hawaii. Okay. And what was supposed to be something like, you know, just a quick trip for her, like, we ended up, like, we had met on the beach and we, like, you know, we just, I, I, we have a connection like nothing else. Like, we okay. spent our, her entire week here yeah. together. She extended her trip to spend more time with me and, like, <laughs> she's met my dad and she's just this human being that I cannot describe what yeah. our connection is like it, it's it's something like we connect you know physically mentally emotionally like yeah. we're understanding and we're there for each other and I'm very grateful for her it's beautiful it's like a soulmate yeah Lindsay Morgan Swank <laughs> you're the best <laughs> he did that thing where he looks like he's about to take out a ring from his pocket oh, like whoa, whoa 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 she's not here she's wait not here. Oh, man. <laughs> Man, I miss her so much. Man, what are you talking about her for? It's about me. This is my podcast episode. Okay, let's bring it back to you. Me, yeah. What would you like to be remembered for? People hate this question because they're like, oh, I've got to think about dying. No, you don't have to think about dying. No. You have to think about your aspirations and what you want to put out into the world mm -hmm. and what you want the world to be and what you want to be in it. Shout out Lin-Manuel Miranda and what he said in uh, one of his songs in Hamilton. He's like... What is a legacy? Mm -hmm. But it's planting a seed in the garden that you never get to see. Okay. And that, like, I love that idea. I, I just yeah. fell in love with it. Marinate too. it, marinate <laughs> in it. I was yep. like, wait, I was ready. A legacy is planting a seed in a garden you never get to see. So, whatever I want to be known for, I want it to be. Oh, man, I want. Oh, jeez. Same thing is, for better or for worse, my own ambitions are, like, the, the worst of me. Like, I have too much I want to achieve, too much mm. I want to do with my life. The 94 kids are like that. Welcome to the club. Let's do it, man. I don't know. I would love to like to work at NASA and make food that can make it to Mars. Be a food scientist for NASA? Are you kidding me? I would love to do that. That's like a dream. Hint, hint, NASA. Someone hey, tag NASA. Let's do it. Call me out. No. <laughs> hit me up. 
Um, so I, I love that idea of, you know, because for a while I was thinking like, Earth Earth jobs mean nothing to me now. Like, are you mm-hmm. kidding me? <laughs> I don't want to exist on like, Earth jobs mean nothing. Send me to Mars. I want to, I don't know. Like, I, this, it's, the, that's the last, that's the final frontier. That's the thing mm-hmm. that, that is the unknown. It's like I said, it's that science to me is the pursuit of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And what I would love to be the first person to venture into the unknown. Like, that is just like, or at least take part in one way, like put my face and plaque up on the wall for this is part of the team that got to do this or anything. Right. Like I love that idea, so I would love that um, to be part of just mankind's history yeah. in a sense. But if not that, like when it comes to photography, I just want to be able to capture a momentous, like the current, something that, like a snippet of the emotion and the energy and the the, the mm-hmm. passion behind whatever moment that I, I see fit. Just got an answer. Okay, so thank you so much for inspiring our journey to selflessness. Your existence is a light leading us into how we can be better friends, spouses, family members, and overall good human beings. On your journey to the kidney transplant, we place you and your father in the highest vibration, love, and success. May your pure intent blessed thank you very much that means a lot to me mm-hmm. i love what you're doing here you're very skilled and organized <laughs> and you're very like just you're a good human being to be doing this podcast thank you so much Peony. Oh, thank you thanks for the space we'll definitely see more of your work everywhere on this podcast and again in the times magazine oh man let's do it hit me up no, just kidding no <laughs> shout out me again <laughs> Thank you, Info. Thank you so much. You're 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 just a wonderful, pure person. Like you doing this just makes sense. It just makes sense. <laughs> it does to me too. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. You hit it on the head. Not many people get to find their passion, but you did it. <laughs> Took me Ready a while. Ready for that audio disaster? Good high five. <laughs> I love it. Well, there you have it, JWM family. Until next time, Maholokwe. Kia ora, Rebuile. Aloha.